Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Back to The Baldface Truth with John Kanzano on 750 The Game. Steven asked me on the commercial break, how was Vegas? We brought the six-year-old and the eight-year-old. Don't judge us. Maybe we're bad parents. It was a different kind of Vegas <laughs> with that late-week trip. Uh, it, was, it was fairly cold. The kids wanted to go to the pool, so we're out by the pool freezing as the kids are swimming around. And uh, We went to see a Cirque du Soleil show. We did a little bit of that, but it was a lot of me walking uh, by a sports book looking with uh, longing eyes at the odds on the board and saying, okay, I'll wait till next week when I'm back for the men's tournament. Matt Prem, 24-7 sports, covers the Oregon Ducks, among other things. He's headed to Vegas, as are Dana Altman and that team. And we lost Prem there. We're going to have to get him back on. But uh, uh, he's going to be joining us here in just a second. Um, it was interesting to see Las Vegas through the eyes of a 6-year-old and an 8-year-old. There weren't a lot of other kids walking around there, but there are some casinos that do kind of kid-type things. And we took the girls to the Pac-12 Women's Basketball Tournament, which is kind of cool. Like, for everything that you look at when it comes to, like, the Pac-12 networks and how frustrated people get with the Pac-12 networks when it comes to football, you can tell it really works for women's basketball. And one of the ways you can tell it works is that Washington State a seven seed is getting the automatic berth in the the Pac-12 women's basketball standings. They're going to get six or seven teams into the postseason. They're that good. Uh, we have Matt Prem, 24/7 Sports, on the line. Oregon Ducks uh, are the number four seed in Vegas. That means they'll get a first round bye, which means Matt Prem's going to play some golf on Wednesday in Vegas instead of covering a basketball game. How happy are you about that? Oh, that was the uh, that was the the story of my internal debate. Uh, Saturday at, at Matinat Arena for Senior Day was looking at tea times that was available while it was halftime. <laughs> I love it. Uh, the Ducks have a chance in this thing. They're in the wrong place. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but, hey, man, you're human. Uh, look, Oregon's got a puncher's chance in this thing. The team's in front of them. UCLA's got a key injury. Arizona, they, they, they've lost six games in conference play. They're beatable. USC, if they're healthy and all their pieces are out there, they're dangerous, but they're, you know, they can be beat as well. Oregon, to me, is sitting there on the outside of that group of four looking in with a lot to play for, Matt. Absolutely. I mean, they've beaten two of the three teams that you mentioned, Arizona and USC at home, and quite frankly, they really beat up on USC. Um, that was the only meeting that they had this season. Uh, Oregon hung with Arizona for a little bit down in Tucson, and then uh, Tubelas just went nuts and 40 points or whatever whatever it was. It was a lot. Uh, and that game kind of got away from Oregon. But they were always within arm's length of, of Arizona. Um, and then UCLA, they had the lead in both those games in the second half. Um, you know, this team is talented. This team is good. Uh, but we've also seen this team lay some complete duds at home, nonetheless. 
you know, losing by 29 at home to ASU and then going the next day or two days later beating Arizona. Uh, they lost to UC River uh, – or UC Irvine, excuse me, uh, the second game of the season. Um, Utah Valley, Mark Madsen, came in and beat Oregon. Um, they lost by, like, 30 at Colorado. But they they have talent. They have one of the best big men in the in, in the league in Folly Dante. Um, Kuznard and Bartholomew have kind of rounded into form after having those injuries that kept them out of uh, action for a while. Um, Will Richardson is starting to get healthy from his injury. And, you know, they've got a puncher's chance. You know, I, I don't think it's, it's likely that they win, but I don't think anyone would be all that shocked if, Oregon won the tournament if you said that at the beginning of the year and that's kind of where they're at yeah as the four seed they get a bye so they won't play until Thursday they'll get the winner of Washington State and Cal which means they're getting Washington State in that Thursday game and probably a you know there's a chance here Washington State skates through that game Cal's so bad and I think Mark Fox might be coaching his last game there so you know on the other side of that that top half of the bracket, it's it's Washington against UCLA or Colorado against UCLA in the Thursday game. Yeah, UCLA with the injury, um, you know, a little bit of shine comes off them. But yeah. outside of Dante and and uh, it, you know, outside of Dante, as you look at Oregon's prognosis, I guess for this tournament, give me an idea. You know, Will Richardson and Dante aside, what? Who needs to step up, Matt? In your in your mind, who needs to have a good tournament for Oregon to get to the title game? Well, I think I think Will Richardson needs to have a good game. He's you know he's really struggled again the last you know couple games. Um, now, to his you know, you also have to provide the context that he's dealing with a hip injury, he's dealing with a finger injury, and he's also dealing with a wrist injury. Um, and I, I saw him run at practice before the Oregon at Oregon State game two Saturdays ago. Um, it was a Thursday practice. Uh, they had to run up and down the court. And you, if you didn't know that he was hurt and if you didn't know, you know, what was going on, you would have thought he was just kind of messing around during the, 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 the run. It was that hard for him to run. Um, so he's, he's not playing well. And, he, and he's starting to get healthy. It, it, he looked better this past week than he did at Oregon State and that he did uh, at Washington and Washington State. He needs to play better, though. He needs to be – he led the team in scoring for a large chunk of this, of this season. He's a guy that continually, you know, competed for 20 points a game and, you know, hovered right around 14 for most of the season. Um, he needs to get going. He needs to be a, you know – he needs to hit some threes. He needs to be a, a force that, you know, will suck the defense out away from Dante. But besides those two, you know, Bartholomew has really got going shooting the three. Uh, he had 17 points uh, a couple weeks ago in a game at Washington State, 7 of 10 off the bench from the field. Uh, he really got it going against Stanford with a couple – I think he made three straight threes that he shot in that game. Um, he, he seems to be kind of a microwave for Oregon off the bench. And then, it, you know, beyond that, I, I kind of think it's Cole Ware. You know, Dan Alden spoke about that Saturday after the, the win at Stanford, that he said if, if Folly Dante wasn't playing so good, Cole Ware would have played more than 
the nine minutes that he played in that game. Lair had a, had a sequence in the first half where he got a really impressive uh, drop-step layup, uh, and then the very next possession hit a three-pointer. He contested a shot in between and grabbed a rebound on defense there. He was active. Altman really praised him. And this is a guy that's got first-round NBA potential, but he is so inconsistent, and you can't count on him game in, game out. But if they can get him to, to play like he did against Stanford, for three days in a row, he could be a huge wild card because there really isn't anyone in the conference that has a big man besides Arizona that can really do what he does with how tall he is. He can shoot threes. He, he can block a ton of shots. I mean, that kid does not know how good he could be if, if he could just put together consistent, hard effort for a full game. Yeah, I think when... I think about this season and this team. I want to go back to last year, Matt. You were there. I was there. That last news conference that ended sort of Oregon's Pac-12 tournament. Dana Altman shows up. He seemed, I don't want to say he was relieved, but I got the impression that he didn't have a lot of fun last season. Is he having more fun this year as you see him? Um, I think it's a different level of frustration because he saw the potential of this team before the injuries kind of decimated the year. Um, they've never really been able to get into a groove because at the beginning of the year, Rigsby and Kuznard both went down with, with lower body injuries. Uh, I think both of them were, were knees. And then shortly into the season, uh, Bartholomew went down with an ankle injury. Biddle went down with an ankle injury. Uh, Dante missed a game because of a concussion. And Dana talked about it uh, after the game at, Stanford, uh, at home against Stanford on Saturday that in basketball, lower body injuries is like the kiss of death because if you have a hand injury, you maybe can't dribble or you can't shoot the basketball, but you can still keep your conditioning. You can still run. You can still do some form of lifting. But when it's, a, when it's a lower body injury, you can't do any of that on top of really shooting or anything else, too. And it really knocks you out for however long you are, you know, you're out. And it takes a long time to get back. And so I think this season, there's, there's, there's fun here. There's frustration. But it's a different kind of frustration because it feels like a season that was robbed. You know, maybe this team's healthy and, and they don't. They don't live up to expectations regardless. I don't know. But knowing and seeing how this team has played in spurts, beating Arizona, beating USC, almost knocking off Michigan State with, like, six scholarship guys. They beat Villanova with six scholarship guys. They contested with Houston for 30 minutes. Houston's one of the best teams in the country with only, like, nine, nine total players. I think seven or eight of those guys were scholarship guys. You know, seeing what they've been able to do, in, in short spurts, you, you just it's hard to wonder what if. And so I think that's maybe where his frustration comes from. But he he made it very clear, uh, I think it was after the Cal game, that he's like, look, I'm trying to change in, in today's day and age of college basketball. You either get fired, you retire, or you, you change. And I'm trying to change. And I, I thought that was a really interesting comment because there's a lot of people out here that are wondering, well, maybe Dana's you know, going to hang it up because he's so frustrated. With, with how the last two seasons have gone. And when he made that comment, 
And when he made the comment earlier in the year when they lost to Utah Valley right before Christmas break, and he's like, I can't even look at my grandkids on Christmas Day and that cheer the mood up after that loss. Like, he still has that fire. And I, I, I think knowing the recruiting class he's got coming in, uh, you know, he's still going to be at Oregon for a while. Yeah, somebody asked me that. John Wilner asked me that, uh, Bay Area News Group. He says, have you, do you have any indication that Dana would hang it up? And I don't see that, and I especially don't see that with the class he has coming in. Can we skip forward for a second here, Matt? Like, tell yeah. me about this class. Jackson Shellstad, obviously the West Lynn kid, four-star player. Uh, who else is in this class to be excited about that's coming in next year? Yeah, it, it, it's very close to being three five-stars, all high school players in one recruiting class. Uh, Kwame Evans is the highest-rated player. He's like a six-foot-nine kind of power forward, small forward guy. Um, I, I would maybe compare him to a, a much more athletic Paul White, guy that can play inside and out for Oregon. You know, Paul White was really big for the Ducks on that Sweet 16 run. Uh, Kwame is a way better player, but that's the type of player you're going to get from him. Um, and then there's Mookie Cook. Former Oregon kid, he he started his career at Jefferson for two years and then went down to a an academy in Arizona. Um, he's another five-star player, and the best way to describe him is he's never really elite at one area on on the floor, but he's really good at everything. Um, I, I think he's going to be a really good three and D wing type guy. He can guard point guards to, to guarding power forwards, really. Um, and then there's Shellstead. You know, he's it, it, it's unfair, but it's also very easy to make the comparison. He's Peyton Pritchard 2.0, same high school, same you know caliber of uh, of a recruit. Um, both guys were four star players. Both guys were top 100 players. Actually, him and Will Richardson are very similar in terms of their overall ranking. Both top 50 guys. Shellstead's ranked just a little higher, and it, it's going to be interesting because. We don't know what Dante is doing, if he's going to use the free COVID year. Same thing with Quincy Guerrier. Same thing with Rivaldo Soares. Um, Jermaine Cousinard did not walk on senior day. He hinted. I asked him, what, you know, ahead of senior day, like, what what does senior day look like for you? How is that emotion going to be like for you? Because it could be senior day. You also could walk and, and come back. And he said that he's not really interested in, and walking, and his his plan is right now that he wants to come back, but he's going to check his options, and he didn't walk um, on, on Saturday. And I, I, I would think that's a good indication of where his head's at. And so you, if you can get Dante back and Quincy back and Soares back, you know, I, I, I think Dante's probably gone. Um, he's having a career year, one of the best big men in college basketball. Um, he's probably gone. But if you can get the other three guys to come back, along with Kuznard, along with this freshman class, you've got a bunch of upperclassmen and you've got three really talented freshmen that are all basically five stars are almost there to kind of fill in the gaps that, that, that are going to be there. And then we'll see what they do in, in the spring. Bronny James is still out there. Um, you know, He's a dynamic guard, can, can play on or off the ball, really good shooter, really good defender. Uh, and, and then, you know, the portal. Dan Altman's always been a master at finding portal guys, and we're going to start seeing the portal flood in with players as, as seasons end this week and into next. 
Yeah, that's another reason why I think their performance in this tournament becomes important, not just to get them to the NCAA tournament, but to put them in position for some players who go, hey, maybe they're a player or two away from being a, a team that could play deep in the tournament again. Matt, I will see you in Vegas. I appreciate your time. Have a good round of golf on Wednesday. I'll be in the arena and see you on Thursday. Uh, I'll be in the arena. i got to get my free dinner. Uh, i got to get my free dinner. So. <laughs> I love it. All right, I'll catch you there. Sounds good. Matt Prem, 24-7 Sports. Ducks play on Thursday. It'll be their first game. The tournament starts Wednesday, and Oregon will get the winner of number 5 seed Washington State and number 12 Cal. Cal doesn't have a lot of uh, gas in the tank. Uh, I believe it will be Washington State on Thursday, 2.30 on the Pac-12 Networks. And uh, on the other side of their arm of the bracket, UCLA will be playing the winner of Washington and Colorado on Thursday. Look for a big Friday night showdown between Oregon and UCLA. That's my prediction. I want you to leave it here. we got more, much more ahead. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Spring football officially starting tomorrow for Oregon State. Jonathan Smith, we had him on the show last week, talked uh, for a bit about his quarterbacks. He's got a uh, stable of quarterbacks, including uh, transfer DJ Uingalele, uh, that I'm very interested to see. Like, Look, I think it's fair to say that Ben Goldbrinson, uh, you can call him the starter for now at Oregon State. And I think Oregon State might go to great lengths to to project uh, Ben Goldbrinson as, uh, you know, the starter in that quarterback room. But we all know it's going to be a competition, and we know that we, we sort of expect that DJ will emerge as the QB. Jonathan Smith talking about that quarterback room. He's taking every opportunity these first couple months to learn, um, getting with our coaches and learning the – the installs and the offense terminology is different, and so uh, he'll he's primed and ready to do that uh, starting tomorrow. I do think he's had some benefit of the other quarterbacks in the room. Aiden Childs in the same boat got here in January, and you know Ben and Travis I think been very accepting and diving in and meeting and throwing and uh, getting those guys up to speed as much as possible. So uh, definitely looking forward, DJ, but really that quarterback room in general, all those guys to take a step in their game. First experience for Aiden and DJ, but even Ben to build off of what he did last year. And, and obviously Travis has been around here now almost a year and has some comfort with the with offense, getting an opportunity to show it. Now, look, uh, in Jonathan Smith's tenure, it's been the great mystery. You know, his inability to recruit a difference-making quarterback has been puzzling. I would have thought after leaving Washington that quarterbacks would have been lined up to come to Oregon State and play for Jonathan Smith. But as we have learned in today's world, it is very much what have you done for me lately, and I think quarterbacks, high school quarterbacks, were waiting to see what Oregon State would be before joining the party. And Oregon State, and I wrote it last year, I said it last year, I thought they were really good at 21 positions at times and not very good at the quarterback position, but that was mainly with Chance Nolan at quarterback. Uh, ben Goldbrinson came in. He was, he was steady for Oregon State. He did a nice job engineering the offense, leading the offense, um, you know, managing games, 
I don't mean that as a disrespect to Ben Gobrinson. I think he needs some more time, and I don't think ideally he would have been thrown into the situation he was thrown into after Chance Nolan went down with that terrible injury against Utah. So Gobrinson, I thought, did a really nice job in the last six or seven games of the season sort of writing it out. But the fact of the matter is Oregon State ended up a 10-win team. And DJ Uyengalele is at Clemson, and he's going, where can I go where I can step in and essentially do what Tom Brady did in leaving New England to go to Tampa? And Oregon State was at the front of the line there because Oregon State can run the football. Oregon State's got an offensive line. Oregon State has a very offensive-minded coaching staff with Jonathan Smith and Brian Lindgren as the head coach and the coordinator. You basically have two offensive coordinators, two quarterback coaches. It's a dream scenario for a good quarterback. But look out. Look out behind DJ because beyond DJ is Aiden Childs. And Aiden Childs is 6'4". He's a dual-threat kid. He is a four-star quarterback. And I'm kind of thinking and feeling like, you know, Jonathan Smith came on the show last week. i got to be honest with you. I, I – noticed in his interview that he was a little reluctant to go all in praising DJ as this is our guy, we're, this is the face of the franchise, this is the quarterback of our immediate future. He said none of that. And in fact, later when I reached out to Oregon State to try to get DJ on the show, um, I figured out pretty quickly that what Oregon State wants to do here in the spring is they want to start spring football. They want to let the quarterbacks play a little bit before they do a bunch of media interviews. I think you're going to start to see interviews with DJ in about a week. But I think they're going to let the QB room for this first week of spring ball that is beginning tomorrow. I think they're going to let it marinate a little bit. I think they're going to let those guys play, maybe even make Goldbrinson, like let him take all the reps with the number ones to start and then work some other guys in. Because I think the ultimate motivation here if Jonathan Smith is playing chess and not checkers with his quarterbacks, and I do think he's playing chess, I think he's going to ideally want to see DJ as his starter come football season. I think you want Ben Gulbrinson in that room because he gives you a backup that's got some experience who knows the offense. And I think you want Aiden Childs as the future of the franchise very much engaged, very much seeing where he fits in the picture, very much excited about being the guy. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Sorry Truth to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.